You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. October is National Co-op Month, and in the business context, a co-op is a company where the workers are also the owners. There are so many stories about Detroit's economic resurgence right now, stories about new restaurants and shops that are opening throughout the city. But chances are those businesses follow a traditional model as far as they are structured. Today, we're going to take a look at the lesser-known co-op economy and landscape here in Detroit with three people who know it very well. Jarrett Schlaff is the CEO of Pingree Detroit, a bootmaking company that employs and empowers local veterans. Jarrett, welcome to Detroit Today. It's good to be with you today. Uh, Karen Tyler Ruiz is executive director at the Center for Community-Based Enterprise, Inc. Karen, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. And Margaret Dalal is executive director of Detroit Community Wealth Fund. Margaret, Margot, welcome to Detroit Today. Grateful to be here. Yeah. So, uh, Karen, uh, let's start with you. Co-ops are kind of a subset of the worker ownership model. Tell us about this broader world, I guess, of worker ownership and what your organization, Community-Based Enterprise, does. Well, thank you for starting us off that way, Stephen. That's perfect. Um, Worker ownership is a broader term, and co-op is a subsidiary of that. Um, We like to just sort of three big tranches of of worker ownership. The co-op world, something that I'm going to make sure I say no acronyms, the (laughs) employee stock ownership plans, Mm -hmm. which is how it's owned. um, ESOPs. ESOPs, thank you, but that's employee stock (laughs) ownership plans. And then something that's relatively new to the United States, which are employee-owned trusts. That's a new way for smaller businesses to get in. And and talk about what we're seeing in Detroit with this model and the popularity of it, I guess, here in, in the metro uh, area. Well, the popularity is growing, and that has a lot to do with the economy and the inequality between those that have and the 1%. Mm-hmm. So there's a resurgence of people that are interested in it in, in the metro area. Um C2BE is involved because we provide support, legal support, we provide business support. We think of ourselves as an accelerator, if you want to say that, or basically we hold your hand while you're trying to build whatever you're trying to build. So we see a resurgence in local communities, in the neighborhoods, in all the areas where the city is focused. There's certainly um, a lot of interest in co-ops and a lot of cooperatives being developed. Pingree is one of the outcomes of that. Um, by the tenacity of Jarrett and the folks he brought around him. Yeah. Uh, Margo, you have a fund that offers loans to cooperatively owned businesses. How does that work? Uh, And have you made any loans to Detroit co-ops yet? Yeah. So we are a non-extractive loan fund, which means that we don't take personal collateral or look at individual owners or member owners' personal financial history, which is actually why a lot of co-ops have a challenge in finding financing. Because if you go to a bank or another lender, they're going to look at every single member owner's financial background. And so we actually believe that capital and our, our loans can be a tool for building community wealth. And so each person that we give a loan to or each business is, is never harmed by t- get, taking a loan from us. And we have given, we've given two loans in the city of Detroit so far. One is to a co-op in Southwest Detroit called Cleaning in Action. We gave that uh, a few years ago. And then we've given two approved, two loans for a newer co-op called Building Cooperatively, which is a historic restoration and preservation co-op. And and when you're thinking of it uh, from, from this standpoint, talk about why it's important to have 
uh, a loan model that will kind of respect this 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 business approach. In other words, what's different about uh, this co-op model that requires a different approach from from the loan standpoint? Sure. So, um, so kind of like I said, it's just hard to get financing in this type of ownership model. Mm-hmm. But we've also seen we've seen finance be extractive, and we really believe that. In order to change that, in order to change our economy, we need to have a democratically owned and operated economy, which means that even the loan fund ourselves, we are a democratic loan fund. We are members of a $10 million loan fund nationally, and we vote on every single project that gets approved. Mm. Um, and then as as our own loan fund in Detroit grows, our own local loan fund, loan fund will be democratically operated by business co-op business owners in Detroit, by members of Detroit, residents of Detroit. So we really understand that the whole the whole system, the whole pipeline needs to be democratic so that we're not continuing to, as, as Karen alluded to, have this massive wealth divide. Yeah. Uh, Jarrett, uh, most people who start businesses talk about competition uh, and the way in which uh, they've got to be competitive uh, to to do do well uh, in the marketplace, uh, and they would argue, in many cases, that that competition is good for their employees. Uh, of course, your approach is a little bit different. You were the leader of a cooperative business. Tell us about Pingree Detroit and uh, why this business model was attractive for you. Of course. <clears throat> so with Pingree Detroit, looking at cooperation um, compared to competition, we are exceptionally competitive. Our goal is to um, maximize well-being for our workers, for the well-being of our customers, as well as the well-being of the community that we're a part of. And so where we uh, are competing, we're doing it by cooperating internally and cooperating with those in our neighborhood. In our, uh, We work with so many other businesses in Detroit. And so the reason why we have a cooperative model, um, I would love to ground it with a, a quote. One of my neighbors, Grace Lee Boggs, once said to me that, we have to reimagine what it means to be a human being at this time on the clock of the world. Hmm. At this current moment, we're seeing an exponential increase in consolidation, mechanization, automation, globalization, and exploitation of the worker. So instead of having a model where traditionally a CEO is paid 365 times the worker or more, um, or you've got a a whole goal of only maximizing profit, where the shareholders are making decisions and pushing for profit only, we think that in this current moment, it's much more strategic to also maximizing well-being for the workers, for the environment. We were just talking, you know, with Debbie Stabenow about climate. How can we avoid massive inputs into the carbon, right? How can we be carbon negative, which we are with Pingree Detroit? Mm-hmm. So we see it as a way to incentivize innovation at every level of our company, where our workers are literally sharing in 77 cents of every dollar in profit of our company. And so whether you're on the ground floor making shoes and you see a way to innovate, which, you know, Nate, one of our co-owners who's an Air Force veteran, he he sees and has brought so many cost savings and innovations to our company. Um, or if you're the person who works from home, Alicia, who's a Marine veteran who who actually preps all of our shoes, where, where she sees an opportunity to, to do something better, more efficient. We're all benefiting economically. We're all benefiting because we're a part of this team and we know we're all in this together. And our traditional model is not a traditional exit. We don't want to just get bought up and consolidated by another company who loves our brand name and our store and our impact model. We want to actually have the workers own the company long term. Yeah. Uh, talk a little more about what Pingree 
uh, does. This is a really innovative approach to uh, making handbags and boots and accessories. Uh, what, what, what's, the, what's the sort of uh, conceit of, of, of Pingree? Thank you. And I also heard a rumor that you, you were a fan of Hazen S. Pingree. I am a big fan of Hazen S. Pingree. You and I have had this conversation before. <laughs> yes, we have. Uh, so Pingree Detroit, we actually uh, leverage uh, unused brand new auto leather that was otherwise getting discarded by the Detroit auto industry. So car seat leather, brand new, instead of it getting thrown away or, or landfilled or, or shipped somewhere else, we keep it in Detroit. And then our team of U.S. veterans and Detroiters, we handcraft accessories, so bags, wallets, the first sneakers ever made in Detroit, the first, first footwear since 1953. And we do it all around this idea of we, we're working towards being carbon negative, waste-free, toxic-free in all of our processes yeah. by 2023. Yeah. And uh, you really do focus on trying to empower local veterans. Talk about why that's an important piece of pingree. Of course. So the reason we started our company was with that goal. Uh, I mean, too many folks, hardworking folks, especially veterans, who were looking for an opportunity to be part of a, a really mission-driven environment where they could bring their skill sets, work with their hands, create something where they're directly making our neighborhood stronger. How can we have these men and women who might be looking for an opportunity but can't find it, how can we create that that support system, that employment opportunity that allows them to really create and help us thrive. And so that's why we exist is, is to address the challenge that we are connecting with folks who are, who are facing some adversity while creating these solutions, these alternatives to the current kind of wasteful extractive status quo, mm-hmm. I would say, with our current footwear industry and, and apparel. Yeah. Uh, Karen, uh, talk about why this co-op model is valuable for a city like Detroit. Why does this matter that we're that we're seeing more people do this here? Well, one of the things I like I, th- I think about when is Detroit is a majority black city, and I have a particular connection to the history in that um, my grandfather in the 1930s was trying to form co-ops, not in the Detroit area. It was uh, he was on in the Baltimore Maryland area, but still the fact that he was trying to form co-ops. What I, the other thing I think about is that there's a principle of cooperation. We hear about it in Kwanzaa, but you don't, it, it, this principle comes way before Kwanzaa. When I think about my grandfather in the 30s, cooperation in the black community is something that is resurgent now. It's something that folks understand, and it's part of the culture. So actually figuring out how to make a structure, a legal structure, or what's the business model around that is not a new concept. It's just needing the same support as an entrepreneur to figure out how to make it happen. Mm. So it, I just think it's important for the community, the black Amer- American community in Detroit. Yeah. Uh, so uh, what do you say to critics, though, who say this is a business model that sounds good and is kind of utopian, but uh, but would be impractical uh, for most business owners? It's not impractical. I mean, there are a couple. First, I want to just dispel a couple myths out there. Mm-hmm. People don't think that a co-op is either a nonprofit. There are a few, very, very few. That's very rare. They're just a business. They create profit. They sell something. They sell a service. And then they use those profits and distribute them to the workers. That's the only difference. So it's it's a business, just like any other business. It's just the money doesn't go to the shareholders. It goes to the people who actually work there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, uh, Margo, there's a co-op conference happening later this month that uh, you guys are fundraising for. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. 
We're trying to get a group of Detroiters to go to the Eastern Conference for Workplace Democracy, which is a really fantastic opportunity for worker owners, um, for technical assistance providers, developers, incubators of co-ops like ourselves to go and, and kind of see that the rest of the country is thinking about co-ops. There are co-ops all over the country, all over the world, but um, this is a really great opportunity to work together, to, to learn about other co-ops and other um, skills that, that folks can learn. So we're trying to send a cohort to that conference later in October, and we do have a fundraiser right now. It's um, on Patronicity, so it's patronicity.com slash Detroit Co-ops. Mm-hmm. And we would love if, if anyone could support that group of people going down to learn. Yeah. Uh, Jared, you, you talked about trying to move your business to the space of uh, a co-op of, of, of employee ownership. Talk about sort of where you are now and what that transition will look like. Of course. So right now we have three worker owners uh, at the moment. Um, and we've got two more that are actually participating in a, in a governance class actually with the Detroit Community Wealth Fund where they're learning the ins and outs of, of running a business. So, you know, I'm not needing to be the only person that, you know, understands our, our profit and loss statements and our balance sheet and, and what goes into decision making around raises and everything. Having more folks at the table who are thinking strategically like as if they're an owner because they are. Um, it allows us to really, really bring our strategic decisions to another level. So I've got a footwear division, an accessories division, a corporate division. Each of those leads as worker owners are, are taking more accountability. So it allows me to focus on more of the things that I do best and having them really take literal and figurative ownership. Yes. And and when you move to that ownership, uh, that ownership model, um, talk about how that will change you think uh, the culture I guess uh, at the at, at the company it, will, will, will that make a difference in the way that people feel about work or feel about the company so since our inception we've actually we've worked uh, at the earliest stages with c2b with this structure in mind you know we started in 2015 we're a small team of 10 currently um, when we were talking with the Center for Communities Enterprises around this goal of creating community-grounded impact and wealth and creating structures that will allow us to really have that innovation at every level, um, we've still got the, you know, close to a traditional management structure. We, we use a model of, of structure called holacracy. It's the same thing that Zappos uses, yeah. right? Uh, one of the largest shoe companies online. And so with our structure, the only thing that changes and shifts as we become fully worker-owned is that there's there's more involvement, there's more engagement, there's more responsibility that's shared, right? We we still have the same management, you know, we've got a production manager and I've I've got a sales manager and I've got marketing managers, but they're more involved in the process and it's it's more than just a profit sharing. It's that we check in regularly. The culture and the company has always been about leveraging the collective brilliance and not just one individual. So it's mm-hmm. not what what's Jarrett's way to go forward. It's What's the pingree way to go forward? And mm. so we don't have too many cooks in the kitchen at one time because we're still really strategic on how, you know, it would not work if we had 15 people designing a shoe, mm. <laughs> right? You know, so we have, a, you know, a core with our design team and we have a core. But, you know, when we're thinking about it, if you look at what's happening right now with, you know, what happens with the truck drivers when those automate? What happens to the fast food workers when those automate? What happens with this next level of, of, of industry when it comes to where we're heading? If the workers are involved in those processes, there are so many examples of innovative ways where, a quick aside, this company in Brazil, they thought they're going to have to lay off everybody because they didn't know what to do. They were a co-op. 
Um, uh, and what they decided, the workers came up with the idea of, well, hey, you know, instead of laying off half of the staff because, you know, we hit a slump, hey, I haven't taken a vacation in years. I would love to take two months paid off, you know, unpaid vacation. And other folks said, hey, I could work part-time. And they literally were able to find cost savings because the CEO couldn't come up with it. He said, I don't know what to do. This is what I'm proposing. And the workers came up with a solution that benefited them where other folks said, hey, I can take these hours. And they collectively leveraged their, their individual brilliance as a team and found a way forward. So mm. we see that as a really strategic path. Yeah. Um, uh, Karen, can you talk about businesses that people – might be familiar with that use this model, but they just may not know that uh, they are employee owned. Yes, I I will tell you about that. Um, mm-hmm. But I love what Jared said because <laughs> that's one of the key things you you asked earlier about what makes it important. Uh, worker owners don't lay themselves off, right? <laughs> right? They don't lay themselves <laughs> off, which is a huge thing that we that we have issues with. Um, to answer your question. Um, there are different types of cooperatives. There are purchasing cooperatives, which is um, that makes cost-effective wholesale purchases, right, for raw supplies. So think Land O'Lakes, butter, dairy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. A producer and marketing co-ops, right, that pool member products to negotiate better prices. Think Ocean Spray. Um, and then there's lots of consumer cooperatives. Everybody knows what a credit union is, right? Sure. So people don't think that these things are actually part of our daily lives. Co-ops ha- have been a huge part of our daily lives. We just don't think about it that way because we think of them as businesses because they are, because they're selling products. Right. It's just different types. So uh, Jared has a worker-owned um, business, but just think of what you could do even more collectively with producer co-ops um, and, and marketing co-ops that help. Um, package and sell together yeah. what other what you're doing the different businesses are doing so yeah. um, I want to throw out a couple stats because sure. I just think going back to um, why this is important for our community um, in worker ownership in general 79% of folks in worker ownership have a higher median household income 30% have um, a higher median income f- just from their wages mm. 36 have higher job tenure and 2.9% are more likely to receive paid tuition reimbursement. So these are some of the wonderful outcomes from thinking differently. So we have a model of, if you want to call it, you know, our, our model of business isn't working so well for most of us. This is something that is showing statistically that it can work a little bit better for, for most of us. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, the, the, the stats you just rattled off there are all – uh, sort of central to the conversation that we're having in this country right now about work, uh, about the value of work, about how workers are valued, uh, and and how workers are struggling, right, uh, with wages, with benefits, with security. Even though uh, there are lots of indicators that the the economy is is in okay shape, uh, when you look deeper, uh, wage stagnation, uh, massive layoffs. Uh, the cuts in benefits that people are enduring. I mean, these are the things that uh, that are still really driving. Um, well, they're driving the conversation that 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 we have about uh, uh, about employment in this country. Um, so those are those are really important. Uh, those are really important numbers. Um, uh, I, I want to uh, quickly before we have to end, uh, Margot, talk about. Um, uh, the the sort of return on investment, I guess that uh, that from the loan perspective, 
um, usually drives uh, decision making and how different your your model is. We've got about a minute, but uh, I want to the return on investment yeah, of, of the loan. Of the loan. Oh, right. not just like the interest, yeah. Yeah, but right. really the impact. <laughs> right, yeah, the impact. great, great. So. Um, I think it's what I really love about my job and 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 giving loans is that we're we're definitely radical in how we work. Um, we we really believe that this builds community wealth. And I, what I love is that I'm not just working with a business owner. I'm working with a group of business owners um, that are all actually, you know, folks like Pingree that are like just heartwarming in the way that they're deciding to structure their businesses in the way that they want to help their community. And so, um, in, in Detroit, when we first started this loan fund in 2017, what we what we were excited to find is so many people wanting to start cooperative businesses and just not knowing how to do that, how to get a loan, how to become loan ready, which is why we started the Co-op Academy, training folks, training groups of people in, in the business and the governance and the democratic decision making. Um, but I think for us, like, Again, we're part of a national loan fund, and we see such incredible models of community wealth building, community ownership, mm-hmm. and I, I'm just so inspired by them, and, and we want to make that possible here. So um, it's it's definitely more than just is yeah. this is this viable. It's like what is you know what is the impact? It's it's really incredible. Right. Okay, Jarrett Schla- Jarrett Schlaff, CEO of Pingree Detroit, Karen Tyler Ruiz, Executive Director at the Center for Community Based Enterprise, and Margaret Dalal. Executive Director of Detroit Community Wealth Fund. Thanks to all of you for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Up next, we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about the opening of the new season at the Michigan Opera Theater. Stay with us on Detroit Today.